0: Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes, and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. On this episode of the Career Musician Podcast, we have Steve
1: Sinatra. That's right. Same name, different game. With a list of drumming credits for artists such as Hunter Hayes, Little Big Town, Carrie Underwood, Keith Urban, Stevie Wonder, Joe Nichols, Pat Green, and the list goes on. Have you ever wondered why you're here? What does this all mean? How does this matrix we live in really apply to the work that we do and the lives we live? Well, guess what? Steve wondered these exact things, and he went on a deep dive to find some answers. He has developed a very unique system called Source Science and Sound. I'll let Steve tell you more about it right here on this episode of the Career Musician Podcast. All right, we're jumping in, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, you have heard of the one and only Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra. You have heard of Nancy, his offspring, and now, you're going to hear from Steve Sinatra, who, ironically, has nothing to do with it. That's right.
2: No, no relation whatsoever. <laughs> Welcome,
1: Mr. Steve Sinatra, to Nomad's Place. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. really glad to be here. Absolutely, man. Thank you. So, Steve and I just met through a mutual friend, Joel Stevenette, and we sit down here at the studio, we start talking, and every time we hit on a subject, I tell you, wait, <laughs> let's save it for the recording. <laughs> so now we can talk about all this stuff that we both are obviously itching
2: to talk about yeah. but let's go back let's start at the beginning first of all where are you from i'm from south florida originally and ironically find out that you are not only from south florida but hop skip, and a jump right. away from me could have been coming over to my house You'd yeah, be in high school buddies you live so close to me
1: man well you would have been in middle school I would have been in high school that's true so maybe we could have jammed towards the end of you know <laughs>
2: that's right age is so much more important back then <laughs> back then
1: right isn't it a trip yeah that, that is really cool so originally from New York but then I grew up half of my childhood in Florida that's great we were neighbors let's talk about history so we were just talking about the concept that at an early age I knew very early 14, 15 I knew I wanted to be a studio musician Most people at that age have no idea what a studio musician even means. Yeah. And you said you were the same way. So talk about that. So what was the impetus to get you going in this?
2: Well, I started playing with a local pop country act in South Florida. Her name was Amber Lee. She's a fiddle player. Mm. And I didn't know anything about that genre at the time. So... I started listening to the local country radio stations. I think it was 99.9 KISS country. And there was another one, I think like 107 something. I can't remember the other one. Brilliant. But in listening to the radio stations, I was listening to all these country tracks. And I was like, man, these drum tracks are just slamming. Banging, right? Yeah. And I was just blown away. I was like, man, I'm really digging this. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And... Then I went and saw some of these acts live, and sometimes it was also slamming, but more times than not, I was like, man, this isn't the same as what I'm hearing on the records. So then it left me with the desire to dig a little deeper, inquire a little further, and this is the time when you could go to the record store and you'd still buy CDs and open All them up and look at the, the information. Notes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and. I started seeing who some of these players were that I was hearing these tracks on the radio, and you'd start to see patterns. you start to see guys showing up over and over again, and you could recognize their sound. Their sound. My mom thought I was blown away by the fact that before I could even look at the liner notes after I'd listened to certain guys sound enough, I could be like just by hearing their fills or their cymbal sounds, I could be like, Oh, that's Lonnie Wilson, or oh, that's Greg Morrow, or oh that's Chris McHugh. I could tell I
1: for, was just gonna say, let's talk about some Lonnie Wilson. Yeah. What was uh Greg Morrow. Okay. And Chris McHugh were
2: three of my favorites.
1: I've worked with Chris McHugh in my Nashville days, yeah, uh, on a session. But yeah, he at that time when I was there, he was the drum god. Yeah. Nobody else played drums on albums except him. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like right, you know.
2: And I was really fortunate. Just a, a offshoot story, real quick. I was really fortunate to go to Berkeley, build a curriculum through the internship program, where I got the opportunity to intern with him as a shadow in the studio underneath him for like You months. interned with McHugh? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. And he's been a really great mentor and friend all throughout my career and really helped me get some really amazing opportunities. So I'm very familiar with the ins and outs of his playing.
1: So, I mean, let's, we have to pause there. So, So this is a great history and a great start so far. But to have an internship at a young age, fresh out of college... With somebody of that stature, you can't put a price tag on it.
2: No, you absolutely can't.
1: So if there's, let's say there's a thousand musicians in the world, let's just say this world was very tiny. (laughs) 999 of them would not get that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible
2: yeah I'm really, really you know, grateful and looking back. I don't even think I could fully appreciate the way I can now. I did certainly I knew you were gonna say that well, i it's I could true. definitely say that I appreciated it. I knew sure. how special it was, but looking back, I look at it more from a percentile. Type of perspective and go. Wow, that was really, really extraordinary. What Not
1: the magnitude as, as you see it now.
2: And to make it even more special, it wasn't. I couldn't actually get enough hours to meet my internship requirements with Chris, so I needed to add other drummers. It, it was also with Rich Redman and with Eddie Bears. So oh, it was oh, all wow. three of those oh. guys in order to meet the hours that the internship department required of me at, at Berkeley. Right. And I was grateful that I had enough. Connections to be able to pull all of this together in in a way that, like you said, created just an extraordinary opportunity that just really got my career off the ground at Nashville.
1: Incredible. All right, so when you're there, you're doing the internship, did you start tracking in Nashville? Did you learn how to be a studio musician in Nashville like I did? Because I got to say, that's the best school.
2: Yes, I absolutely did. And it was watching these guys and watching, frankly, the... Situations that went not so great Mm -hmm. or were really... There was a lot of tension in the room that really, really were the biggest eye-opening moments in that internship. But one of the ones that I could think of... I'm not going to name names because I don't want to... Sure, sure, sure. ...make anything, rat anybody out. I'm not (laughs) trying to cause any... Ruffle any feathers is probably the best way to say it. But there was a a session with an artist, a really well-known country artist, and... The session players came in and they were recutting a demo that the artist had already created, and they were really attached to. It's always tough. It's tough, and so they had what people like to refer to as demoitis.
1: <laughs> From your but, lips to my pen, I'm sitting here jotting that down. I, I was already
2: there. Yeah. yeah. So the artist had demoitis, and you know it was these session players' jobs to try and level up what they had on their demo till that the artist was even more happy with what they were creating. That's a tall order. And I'm sitting here as a fly on the wall, and I absolutely 100% think that they pegged this tune. I felt that they slayed it. They nailed it, yeah. And the artists were still stuck on their demo, and I couldn't believe it. And I watched all of these A-list First Call guys put their heart and soul into crushing this track and from where I was sitting I thought that it was next level like I was saying and and it just the the artist wasn't having it man the problem is though with that and, and I totally get it the problem is a lot of times the
1: demos are so well recorded especially in Nashville they sound like masters yeah if you think about it yeah I mean I've done a lot of demo sessions where we sit back we're like well why is that a demo it's a master it's ready to go yeah
2: <laughs> you know i don't know if that was the case here but that very well could be i felt so, the demo was recorded well but again I, from where i was sitting from what my ears were picking up i thought sure. that they leveled up what they were referencing well yeah, and yeah. it just wasn't what the artist was looking for man man that's crazy all right so you're in nashville
1: you're doing sessions now yeah you did your internship you're doing sessions and then somewhere along the way, you decided L.A. Again, very similar path. I did the same thing. So yeah. what brought you down that road? And well, before we even get to L.A., talk about some of the Nashville stuff. Yeah, yeah, say, well, let's, yeah
2: let's backtrack yeah, to yeah, where yeah. we were originally on, which was wanting to be a studio a musician. session cat. Yeah. And so I was listening to these tracks, and I started to see these patterns, and I realized that there was something special about these session guys. Yeah. And it's somewhere along my path of thought, I said that's what I want to be, right. and in learning to be a studio musician and what the etiquette was for that and what being a studio musician called for, I realized that what I was really looking for was wanting to play with the best musicians that I possibly could. And at the time that I moved to Nashville, and sounds like maybe the, at the time that you were in Nashville, mm-hmm. the highest caliber musicians were typically... Residing in the studio. Studio guy too. But I got so hung up on that hamster wheel of thought that I pigeonholed myself a little bit, and I was so stuck on the idea now because I put that into my your psyche, my psyche, and repeated it over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some great opportunities that I feel I Mm. overlooked that weren't studio situations. Mm. Because I was so hung up on being a studio musician, and what I ultimately realized after missing out on a couple opportunities like that is that I had to revisit that psyche and undo that pattern and reprogram it to, oh, what I really wanted was to make the best music I could with the best musicians that I possibly could. In in, any scenario. In any scenario and do that so that I'm operating at the highest caliber possible within myself and within my playing and that it didn't have to be labeled studio musician or live musician. And the only reason that I got stuck on that in the first place is because a studio musician at that time was where the best musicians were. Let's be honest.
1: Nashville, listen. (laughs) When I was there, it was the same deal. You're either a studio cat or a road dog. That's what they called it, right? Listen, I want to be a cat and a dog. I know that's impossible, but it's not, actually. And guys like you and I, and people like you and I, and so many others have proven that silly... (laughs) Old model wrong. Yeah. But yes, that was a stigma with Nashville. And I believe it's because what you just said. At the time, at that era, there were just the A-list cats. The best musicians in that area just happened to be in the studio. Yeah. Why? Sure, because they wanted a better quality of life. They wanted to have the beautiful big home, stay home with the wife and kids, be home at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock every night, dog, white picket fence, the whole nine yards, right? The whole deal. So that became a thing. But like you just said, it doesn't matter whether you're studio or touring. So I really dislike those stigmas. And I want this podcast right now, this episode with you, to be a loudspeaker for this. Fellow career musicians out there, please stop perpetuating that bullshit.
2: (laughs) Right? Yeah, and what it comes down to is also at the time, that's where the highest amount of value was being given to the highest the highest amount of yes. value in playing and when that shifted which it shifted while I was there yeah. guys that I named earlier like Greg Morrow started going out on the road yeah. with Trisha Yearwood started going out on the road with
1: Faith know, Hill and yeah. Tim McGraw and, and these people. the reason
2: they started doing that is because the work wasn't there they weren't getting the value for the value that they were providing it wasn't a fair exchange anymore so They're going to go wherever the fair exchange is happening. And like you said, it could be live and it could be in the studio. And they both are two very incredible skill sets to have. And I think that we're limiting ourselves by saying we're just going to be one or the other. I want to be the cat and the dog, too. Right? You know, (laughs) I, I want to be able to, and I do feel it's possible. And that brings up a really good point that I think you were bringing up earlier, which is diversification. Ah, let's talk. Perfect segue. Thank you.
1: Yes. So how did you get the
2: versatility bug? I think I got the versatility bug from... Let me think for a minute. I'm going to be a little vulnerable here and honest and say that... Go for it. I was introduced to musical versatility through resistance. And what I mean by that is I had an unbelievable drum instructor, my favorite one still to date, and he happened to be my first drum teacher. His name's John Yarling. And John was a monster player in the local South Florida scene and he eventually became a teacher at MI or not MI U-M. excuse me UM thank you yeah. and
1: as I was gonna say I know I know John's name I don't
2: know him okay yeah and part of my studies with him was he gave me a stack of CDs every week and his musical tastes were incredibly diverse there you go. and he said I don't care if you like it or don't like it He said, I want you to listen to every song on every one of these CDs before you come in every week. And sometimes it was a chore to do it because he was giving me some really out there stuff. He was giving me some avant-garde jazz stuff that was really pushing the limits of what I felt was palatable for me at the time. And I'm so grateful that that he did that because that's where this all started for me. And I'd say that because of that, I've been able to be very open and receptive to a lot of different genres of music and breaking it down to not what the genre is, but just what feels good to me and what doesn't feel good to me. And there's value to be derived in music and all genres. You just have to be willing to take the time to find where it is for you in right. each genre. and. I think I pigeonholed myself in my playing because I didn't have enough motivation at the time for whatever reason to pursue the chops in all those different genres, but that's something I'm coming around to now and I'm really excited about how I am diversifying my abilities. as a player to be able to dive into all these genres that I've been listening to for a really, really long time and hold the skill sets in the same way that I was talking about being a live guy and a studio guy not limiting myself in that way and also not limiting myself in what genre I can play because I just want to like I said before make great music with great Great players and I don't want anything to get in the way of that I don't want myself or my abilities to get in the way or inabilities yeah, exactly
1: and I think that's the whole point when teachers do that with their students you don't want to have any inhibitions at all yeah. Right? any handicaps as it were so that what you hear in your head musically you yeah. can actually execute and do it quickly yes right? very important without having to analyze and think and this is what years and years and years of, of studying does for us yeah which is a good point it's been said right the outliers the 10,000 hours for musicians I think it's closer to 30 40000 hours wouldn't you agree
2: it's a lot <laughs> I've never tried to track it but you know I would say that it's, it's a and musicians at this level for anything that you're this, passionate this about. It's a lifelong commitment. Right. Exactly. That's it Well, you said. know, you're in it or you're not in it That's it and it's hard to be in it all the time yeah. and you got to love it Especially when there's no accolades.
1: I always draw this parallel. You think about doctors, right? Yeah. Medical doctors They're either a general practitioner or they're a specialist mm-hmm. So first of all by being so diversified in versatility, we've already resolved to becoming general practitioners, mm-hmm. okay? There are specialists out there who are amazing. Just jazz people, just country people, just yep. bluegrass but whatever it is. And they're amazing in that little niche, and it's wow, right? Yeah. Here's the only problem that I see in modern-day society with that analogy. Doctors get rewarded and paid very well for all the studies that they have accomplished. Mm-hmm. Whereas musicians, we're lucky if we get to that position. Yeah. And what I want to try to let the aspiring generations know... Is that be really sure that you want to do this because what you just said, if you don't love it wholeheartedly and you're not in it for the right reasons, it will eat you alive, chew you up, spit you out, eat you again, chew you up, spit you out over and over and over again. And if you're not conditioned for that, it's enough to drive one nuts. Wouldn't you agree?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And I I want to share a, a story that plugs really well into that. It's something that I'm actually in the midst of right now. In building my business that I have, which is called Source Science Sound, and it's helping musicians move through the obstacles in their lives in order to tap into the deepest parts of their creativity in music and in all areas of their lives. In building that, I sidestepped music for a little bit. Mm. And I had to find another way to pull in some revenue. Wow. And I had to jump into some part-time jobs. And up into moving to L.A., this was both a blessing and a curse, but I had never held down any type of 9-to-5 job except for being a professional musician or like you like to call a career musician. Yeah. And in diving into that and stepping away from music, I had to look at some of the deepest, darkest corners Of myself and really had Mm -hmm. to find the reasons and the values as to why I was doing what I was doing and why I wasn't doing music and one of the biggest gifts it gave me was remembering and reconnecting with why I loved music so much and not everyone's gonna make the choice that I did consciously to step away for something that they love, but I also feel that a, a lot of people in their lives are in positions where they unconsciously are not doing something that they love and they aren't pursuing mm-hmm. the thing that they love. So whether it's music, um, to get back to your point no, of what sure, you're saying, sure. whether, whether it's music for us or anything for somebody else, I think it is so important for people to be pursuing the thing that they really love to do what they love and love what they do and pursue the things that they're absolutely passionate about. And for a lot of people, because of the programs that their parents passed on to them, the societal programs that mm-hmm. exist out there, people aren't encouraged to pursue no. what they love mm-hmm. and do what they love. They fall into these fear-based mindsets. Where they become
1: even ridiculed for it.
2: Yeah. yeah. So everything, I think a lot of people out there, if they feel what I've felt in some of the low points of pursuing these part-time jobs, they feel like everything's against them and nobody's encouraging them to do (laughs) what they do. And I feel that musicians are a bit of an exception to the rule where they have some kind of fire in them so deep and such a love for what they do that they're able to be strong enough in a lot of the face of adversity to pursue this beautiful
1: (laughs) thing. uh, wow, well said. Well said. I mean, again, I like to throw in the fact that when I first met my wife, she had a, a day job, steady day job, day job for, since she graduated college. She was used to that. She was conditioned. Yeah. For 30 years, i never had a quote-unquote day job. Yeah. So I've always been an independent contractor. So I never knew where the next check was coming from. Yeah. I look back now and I say, wow, 30 years I survived. I've been doing that. Yeah. So if I get nervous to this day, because I still do, I still worry about money from time to time, right? Yeah. To say, oh man, what am I going to do? And then I just remind myself, Bro, you did this for 30 years. Yeah. Why are you tripping on year 31? <laughs> you know? Why all of a sudden on year 32 are you going to like, oh my God, I'm going to lose it? No. So it is this conditioning, right?
2: Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because my partner is the more grounded one. She's had all the types of jobs that bring in a fixed type of income, Mm -hmm. not a variable type of income, Mm -hmm. and that's more comfortable for her. And the discomfort for her is in the variable type of income, where for you and I, variable income, because we've conditioned ourselves to trust ourselves, to know that we're gonna make it happen, that it's okay for us. And for me, I feel a bit claustrophobic in a fixed income position, but that's only a partial truth. There actually is value and stability in that, and I've learned some of that through the part-time jobs. I'm interviewing for another job because there's benefit and value in having both if that's what you want to choose. And ultimately, what it all comes back to, Nomad, is that we're pursuing the things that we root to, and that we love, and it doesn't matter how we get there, as long as we're being true to ourselves. Right. That's it. Your true north, yeah. your why, right? And for someone that yeah. might be a fixed income path, and for others it might be okay. a variable income path. For some it might be music, for others it might be being a doctor.
1: I percent. Or, or it might be an amalgam of all these different things. Yeah. And that's, and that's honestly where I find myself oftentimes, right? Yeah. Because especially talking about the departments, Within the music industry, there's so many ways you can earn a living. Yes. So let's talk about that, and let's talk about some of those ways, and then I want to segue into your resume. But we've talked about so much about the mindset of being a musician and an independent contractor, variable income. What are some of your principles and methods as a career musician? Because we all know principles remain the same. They don't change, but methods oftentimes do, right?
2: Yeah. I'm going to get, again feel vulnerable here and say that growing up I came from a well-off family and that afforded me the luxury of not having to be concerned overly concerned with my financial situation Mm -hmm. as a result of that I don't feel I was lazy what I felt I did with that was I created opportunity out of that And, and by creating opportunity what I mean is I put 110% of my energy into networking and growing my career as a musician. All the energy that would have had to go into the part-time jobs that I'm holding mm. now, the responsibility that I'm taking for myself in that way now, that space was being held by my family for me, and they were happy to do it, and I'm grateful that they did. Now, on some level, that created a bit of a blind spot for me because it wasn't until I chose to be more independent that I had to pick up the responsibility (laughs) and the slack. And that was a really hard lesson for me because... What age, circa? Really recently, if I'm being honest, it was kind of like uh, the last three or four years. And they weren't having to financially support me that entire time because, we'll get back to what you were saying, I w- was successful enough in putting all that extra energy into being a professional career musician that I eventually was able to pull in enough money to sustain myself in every way and anything that they were offering me was icing on top of the cake okay. for whatever reason that they decided they wanted to sure. financially give offer me a little bit more abundance but it wasn't until recently that what really pushed this to the surface was when i had a kid Mm. and when i had a partner and someone who came from a very different background that i came from she came from a background of where you're paying very close attention to being very mindful of responsibility and your finances and all the things that you need to set yourself up for success in a grounded way. Right. And we talked about this the other day, actually, where she said, I'm really good at that. And she said, what you're really strong at is seeing the bigger picture. You're really strong at knowing that I just have to hold this big carrot out in front of me. And if I focus on it enough, I don't have to look and have planned out of what the little baby steps are that are going to get me there. I just know and feel my way through that. Okay. So I'd say that's probably the most eloquent way that I could say of how I operated for most of my career, which was all the successes I've had through Nashville was just I held these big ideas in front of me, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, which was I want to be a session musician. Okay, I'm not going to plan out how I get there. I just know that in the moment of when I'm saying yes and no to different things and different offers that are coming in, I have to make sure that those offers are somehow in alignment or connected to my big idea. One, two, and that's kind of one of the big carrots i held in front of me and the other big one that we probably talked about earlier was i want to always be doing my best to make the best music i can with the best musicians Mm -hmm. i possibly can and that everything that i'm choosing and agreeing to we're in alignment with that as well see that's your principle
1: yeah and the carrot is your method
2: yeah which i love
1: okay actually that's really cool so that delineates it beautifully in a digestible concept i mean that's great
2: yeah and i I would say that that worked really well for me, but I also want to spotlight that I think I'm learning through stepping away from music and coming back to music through a whole new perspective that there's room for me to have a little bit more of a plan on the micro that blends well with the macro idea that, we were just talking about and i think that i'm gonna level up my career in music through striking a balance mm. of the two right. and i'm in the process of implementing that right
1: well, it now also, right it sounds like you're you're a maverick of sorts in this realm that you founded the uh, source science sound so i definitely want to hear more about that i think you know that's the climax of this interview if you
2: will absolutely yeah
0: The goal of the Career Musician Podcast is to provide valuable insight aimed at supporting working musicians. Please show your support by listening, downloading, subscribing, sharing, liking, and leaving a review.
1: Join the Career Musician Facebook group and get involved in the conversation.
0: Being a career musician is more than just gigs and sessions. Are you a career musician? Find out on the Career Musician Podcast, streaming everywhere.
2: Empowering musicians with solutions for a sustainable career in the music industry. Subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.
1: So, all right. So now Uh let's get back to music. I love these principles and methods. This is brilliant. So you've done both. You've gone on tour and you've done studio work. So brag a little bit. Let's just let me get some
2: credits. Credits. I'd say that some of the special experiences that stand out for me was my six years with hunter hayes that was really really fantastic through that i got to do a couple special unique performances where i had an opportunity to perform with stevie wonder on the acm awards that was really really a highlight Mm -hmm. for me
1: I had a similar situation where I was in a house band and I got to play with Stevie, amongst others. Yeah.
2: What was that like for you?
1: It was it was incredible. I was never in his band. Yeah. You know? But uh, I was in the house band and I played with him. It was really neat. I screwed up so bad it was hilarious. <laughs> this song, the song side tangent, the song Superstitious, right? Very superstitious yeah. or superstition, whatever. Is originally an E flat. Okay. I'm really like Meticulous with that stuff So I learned the song In the original key Uh Now I can transpose it Whatever key you want Yeah For anything But I learned it in E flat And I figured Well we're playing with Stevie I bet you he's gonna play In E flat And it's just You know It's Stevie He's the artist So uh, we're jamming And I can't hear Because it's a festival and it's just, okay. we just start off and I hear the clavinet and I don't have perfect pitch. So all of a sudden I hear the clavinet and I'm just listening and then I start jamming in because there's like these clav parts. There's three or four clav parts yeah. that intertwine with one another. And they're amazing. And I've dissected those parts and I've learned them all. So I start playing the second clav part, which is like, which is a counterpart to, right? Yeah. yeah. But I'm playing it in E flat and And they're an E oh so all of a sudden Stevie on the microphone goes hey guitar guitar and of course I'm moving my head around like a jerk but uh, (laughs) he's like uh, it's E E and I was so embarrassed. Oh, man. It was, it was awful.
2: Oh. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Wow. I had to tell that one. That's a good one. I'm <laughs> glad you did, man. <laughs> Those are the gems that, you right. know, aspiring musicians love to right. probably help them in their low low moments, you too, go. you know? There you so, go.
1: And that was probably 2006. That was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Stevie, Hunter Hayes. I love that you've worked with Hunter for six years. That's great. Yeah, it was um, his...
2: Uh, Band leader and musical oh director. music director yeah. oh fantastic okay so who else uh, I know you have Little Big Town yeah two and a half years was their band leader for for part of that time as well who else I've got to fill in for Carrie Underwood's drummer nice which was a real blast that was really really fun that's awesome I've done some touring with Pat Green who's a big Texas country artist gotcha. I've had other one-off opportunities through Hunter again to play with artists like Lady Annabellum and yep. Dave Barnes, Eric Pasley, a lot of country acts. Jason Mraz got to do something with him on the CMA Fest because nice. he, he did a cameo on one of Hunter's records. Nice. Uh, so we performed that song on, on the award show and that was really cool. So a
1: lot of career musicians want to know, how do you go from being a side person to a music director so let's say hunter hayes you were the md for six years yeah how did you accomplish that what's the trajectory like for that in little big town the same so how does that happen is there a formula i know the answer to this but i want to see your perspective yeah definitely <laughs> i i'm gonna give it away there's no formula <laughs> well i actually but for
2: you I, okay i think there is a formula okay let's hear it let's hear it and i think to be, If I'm being honest, I should probably reword that. I feel there is a formula, but I am not at a place where I'm able to eloquently verbalize what that formula is. But some of the things that I can touch on, there are certain qualities and characteristics that I feel musical directors possess. Bam. And, and that is the formula. Yes. And part of what I'm working on in, through Source Science Sound is being able to verbalize and eloquently share what some of these characteristic traits are because I feel that it's great to be a musical director, but think about a a circumstance situation where everyone in the organization possessed the same level of musicianship and quality that the musical director possessed. Think about how much more creative potential there would be if everybody was operating from that place. And what are some of those characteristic traits?
1: And sometimes you run into a band that has that per- type of personnel.
2: Yeah. Which has its own set of challenges, by the way.
1: Yeah. Because then you have six chefs in the kitchen. That's true. Oftentimes. But sorry, go Yeah, absolutely. Go
2: ahead. No, that's a great point that you bring up, and I'd love to rip yeah. on that a little bit more. So hold that thought. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the qualities and characteristics. Punctuality. Mm. Say it again. Punctuality. <laughs> Early is on time. On time, time is, is late. late. Late is unthinkable. On, on late is unacceptable. And I've been in the unacceptable category right. more times than I'd like to admit.
1: Unless it's a, a, what they call an act of God in contractual yeah. right yeah. terms, there's no excuse. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So punctuality is a big one. Responsibility. Mm-hmm. And what does that responsibility look on a more broken down level? being aware of all the arrangements, all the parts that everybody's playing so that you're able to keep a helicopter view of the situation Mm -hmm. while also being able to dive back into the weeds and make creative and constructive suggestions to everybody that's keeping the bigger picture in mind and helping Mm -hmm. the artist get towards the creative goal that they're working towards. Love it. Communication. I was just about to say, communication being a great mediator and being able to diffuse situations by finding mutual resolutions for everybody mm, love it. that's a tough one okay. that's a but sp- you know you actually did an interview with uh, i think it was if i'm saying his name right adam blackstone yeah, yeah. he spoke to that that's right. trait and i thought that was very fantastic that he was bringing that to light because these are some of the things that i went to berkeley there was no class for that there's no.
1: There should be, and I should be the professor for it. <laughs> I, I, I believe
0: you, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, those they're they're really really important parts of what it takes to be a career musician. Right. And a lot of the stuff that is involved in sustaining a career in music stems so far beyond the playing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what's you know they like to say that I was reading this statistic today. of communication isn't even verbal. It's everything else. Well, I'd say that maybe not quite as high of a percentile, but a very high percentile, maybe 80% of what it takes to be on a gig isn't happening with your instrument on. It's Mm -hmm. happening without your instrument on, and it's happening off the stage. Mm -hmm. It's happening in between the takes in the studio, not when you're tracking. Mm Mm-hmm. There's all these variables that I don't feel are given enough light. They're not. They're not. And have been ignored up till now. And these are the types of things that I help musicians, bands, and artists work through Source Science Sound and doing private sessions with people right. and bringing to light this information and helping people see where they have room to grow in order to be a complete whole musician. And that means on their instrument and off their instrument. Mm-hmm. And being able to sustain being a brilliant creative musician and that sustainability is not just on a playing level but it's on a mental level it's on an emotional level and it's on a physical 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 level level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's all areas of life
1: absolutely well laid out That's the truth. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's excellent. So you answered my next question because basically I wanted to ask about, you know, tour and studio etiquette. That is the etiquette of a great career musician, in my uh, opinion. And then that word, the O word, keeping it to yourself. Nobody wants to hear your opinion. Yeah. Nobody cares, especially Stevie Wonder, if you think (laughs) the song should be played in E-flat because, you know, nobody cares. Oh, no, no, no. I think it would be great if we did did I ask you to think and give me your opinion? No. And the reason why I'm being such a dick on that is because I have to answer to the artist. Yeah. And to the executives who are producing this album or show, right? Yeah. And they're not asking me, well, what do you think, Nomad? What's your opinion on this? Yeah. No. No. They contracted these people to perform. Those people contracted me to facilitate their performance. And I'm contracting you to shut up and play your instrument to the best of your ability. I hate to be that blunt about it. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. And here's my biggest pet peeve. People forget this is a business. That's why I call it career musician. You do have a career as a musician as an independent contractor. You can't say, I'm not going to college and I'm not going to pursue a career because I want to be a musician. No, dummy. (laughs) Music is a career. That's just the one you chose. Yeah. The problem is 90, 95, 99% of the cats, quote unquote, the players out there focus just on playing. Yeah. Why? Because we're passionate individuals. I get it. We're creative beings. We run on creative fuel and source and energy. So when we when we're studying Coltrane, trained we go to a, another place, yeah. right? When we're studying, I don't care who it is. Like you said the avant-garde jazz or whether you're studying like math metal or you yeah. know progressive or whatever it is that you're studying super deep and you really feel passionate about. I don't care if it's dance music, whatever it is, EDM or or classical, whatever it is, funk, R&B, whatever. You got so far down that rabbit hole, right? Learning to perfect that, that all of these other skills, and like you even said, it's not really taught in, in the institutions. Yeah. All of these other skills, people skills, communication skills that are necessary to be a successful business person are neglected. Yeah. You're still a business person. So, sorry for my rant.
2: <laughs> Thank you. That is, I love it. Alright. Well, it's great. I can actually add to what you're saying by saying when i was a little bit in my younger years that i was very opinionated and Mm. i felt that that opinion was coming from not feeling validated and it's tough being sometimes a side musician because you have to understand the role that you're playing and it's a very humbling place to be but i constantly stuck my neck out probably in places that it wasn't ideal for me to do so and i'll share this with you i shared it on another podcast but the o word opinion i put my opinion out there too much that it got me fired off of the richard marx gig well there you go i and i think it's important for people it is to, to know thank you it is important um i thought that things should be a certain way yeah and i was sticking my opinion where it wasn't Desired or wasn't even asked for. And I learned a valuable lesson from that. And it was the one I really needed to learn in order to say, you know what, I could have gone about that in a way that was healthier for everybody. And I think that I wasn't being true to myself by staying on the gig, but I also felt that. I was trying to make the gig what I wanted it to be rather than saying, you know what? This isn't the right fit for me, so let me bow out Mm. gracefully. I had to push it to the point of Mm. creating too much tension to the point of where it got me to let go.
1: A lot of times, inexperience and youth, is the impetus of that very action, right? Yeah. That, that cause and reaction. So, same here. Yeah. <laughs> I've been fired off countless gigs. <laughs> People who really know me over the years are probably laughing.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very similar. Being a New Yorker, a Cuban-Italian New Yorker, you know, with a very well-tempered manner, <laughs> <laughs> I've never lost my cool right? <laughs> right? So anyway uh, But no, it's important for people to hear Look, and, and my thing is If you're going to be a professional career musician Which means, well, there's two aspects And I believe this decision should be made early on in the career Now, I suffered and made the decision later on Because I wasn't taught, right? Yeah So education really is paramount on, this, on all these subjects If you're going to be just a side person Decide that But if you want to be a side person and an artist, then decide that as well, or if you just want to be an artist. Okay, so you really there's three options there. Yeah. You can mix the two, all right? But if you mix the two, don't take your artist stuff over to the side gig. Yeah. When you're a side man, you're a side man. Your job is to keep your mouth shut, eyes and ears wide open, mouth shut, and shredding as best as you can yeah. for the parts. Don't overplay. <laughs> don't underplay. Don't outshine. That's right. Don't undershine. Do it just right. When you're the artist, do whatever you want. That's right. Go do it, and no holds barred, right? Purely uninhibited, and that's the biggest thing. So, if you're being a side man to make pay the bills, but you want to be an artist, just remember that.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a place that maybe even unconsciously, for a lot of these people, they're getting stuck in this place internally and don't even realize it that they want to be validated, they want to be heard a little bit more whether it's through their instrument or through their personalities and they're feeling stuck and they want it to be done differently but they're also too afraid to take that step because that's a big step that you're talking about to say I'm not going to hide behind my instrument I'm not going to hide behind the other front man and drive from the back seat that's right I need to step out and do what I really feel is my truth inside musically and right. I'm actually at a bit of a crossroads with that Myself am coming to a more grounded awareness of that and I'm looking to find ways to be the cat and the dog again like we were talking about earlier where I think there are great opportunities out there right now for me to be able to bring money in through continuing to be a side musician but I'm also feeling this pull to have the right environment to be able to create without any limitation. That's right. And have my whole voice be heard in a way that feels right to me. And I think there's a way to blend the two of that. And I think you're doing that, right? You are a side musician and you also (laughs) have chosen to be an artist as well. Yes,
1: because at at an early age, I always wanted to be an artist, but I was always scared. Because like you said, it's a big leap. And at an early age, I was also fortunate enough to start making money as a side man. So I, I fell into that so hard and uh, I was very fortunate. I have a list of credits that are beautiful, and I'm very grateful, whether it's studio, touring, film, scores, everything. But I always knew I can't squelch that artist's voice, man. I just can't let it die out. Yeah. You know, I do know people who said, ah, oh, I'm done with that, I put it away, and, and now they're just doing something else. But I can't do it. If I do it, I'm miserable. Yeah. And I've tried to squelch it <laughs> yeah. by ignoring it for a while and just not cultivating it. Yeah. But now I'm full throttle, full blast cultivation... And at the same time, maintaining all of my side man work. Yeah. You know, and it's not easy. Yeah. There's nights where I do not sleep, not only because of I'm working, but because my mind won't turn off. Yeah. It's restlessness, right? Yeah. You know? So, by the way, I'm a big proponent of naps. Because
2: yes. right, you work. I'm so glad you. Said
1: Especially that. if you go for 18 hours and then you and then you're blasted tired and you can't really get a good night's sleep or whatever. Then the next day, take an hour nap or whatever it is. You yeah.
2: know, right? I'll, dude, I'm gonna say one of the, the biggest pet peeves of mine is I don't know about the school that you grew up in. Maybe it was similar because we lived in the same area. But when you were in kindergarten and in first grade or pre K, there was nap, nap time. time. There's no nap time in high school. That's when we need nap That's time when your brain is working yeah. overtime with the SATs yeah. and everything. Yeah, I needed nap time in middle school and high school. I probably didn't. The teachers needed nap time, not the right not the
1: kids. Think about, I mean, I do that with my daughter now. She's 11. And I'm like, honey, take a nap. It's okay, you know. But kids, a lot of times they just always have to be up and doing something yeah. and, and entertained, you know, or stimulated in some way. But yeah, the nap thing is good. I don't. Sorry, side tangent. I'm glad that we. I've been
2: waiting since I was five years old to to say say that, (laughs) to put that out into the world. This
1: is good stuff, man. I mean, you hit really on everything. What I would like to really focus on now with your words, I want to hear your words of wisdom, which you've already given several. If you had any tie-up, the way you would just rope it all into words of wisdom, but talk about this business that you've created this whole thing source science sound and it sounds like you're really on to something and it also sounds like if i may be so forward to i see a collaboration in the future here i would like that between the two brands you know i would so, love that i don't know if that's uh, in the ted talk capacity which is my goal i i have to do a ted talk that's awesome man. you know uh, <laughs>
2: some kind of clinics workshops seminars something but please divulge what I'm coming to find through my own experience is I came to a crossroads at the end of my time in Nashville when I moved from Nashville to Los Angeles and I was I had everything I wanted on paper. I had everything I'd set out to do, everything I dreamed to accomplish when I was a kid. I know that feeling. And I was unfulfilled. I was unfulfilled. And That was a really tough thing to really look at and not just turn a cold shoulder to and keep on trucking down the same path that I was on. Sure. Pretending like everything was okay. Sure. And what I began to dive into was asking the bigger questions that sometimes people philosophize about if that's if I'm even saying that word accurately. (laughs) It may sounded good. That they dive into the philosophy of why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And it took me down a whole nother path that I didn't even ever expect to go down. And it was kind of the spiritual path. And what I mean by that is not necessarily any association with religion, Mm -hmm. but getting into the deeper whys as to why things happen the way they do universal law esoteric law and really figuring out the cause and effect of something on the simplest and deepest level possible Mm -hmm. the universal truths Mm -hmm. and what love this stuff what that brought me into was a study in energy work and a study in healing and i took and completed a teaching certification through the Guided Light Healing School here in Toluca Lake. And the teacher who founded that school, I had been doing sessions with him before the school was even founded for three years before even getting into my teaching certification. And that was kind of one of the big turning points for me of going down this path that I didn't expect to go down. And for a while, I got so deeply entrenched in this path that I didn't even know if I was going to come back to music or not. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there wasn't anything I wrong with I want everybody there. to know that. That's, you know, self-discovery. And it was a scary place to be because I think probably similar to you and other people who pursue music, there's this passion for them, passion for music, and it's always been there. Yeah. It's always been there. And yeah. anything, I never knew anything else. <laughs> so... To have that, to consciously choose to say, maybe there's something else on the horizon for me other than what I'm pursuing is terrifying. It's almost like you're cheating on yourself. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really great way to put it. That's that's scary.
1: Because that's our only identity
2: is music for so long, right? And that's a great point that you brought up is that I needed to find out who I was and define myself by my characteristic traits, not by what I did mm. for a living.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and Say that again, bro. That is so powerful. I needed to figure out who I was, my characteristic traits, and not define myself by what I did for a living.
1: Your job is not your identity. Yes. Your gift
2: is not your identity. Yes. And that took a lot of deep, introspective self-realization. And so... To kind of wrap it all up and bring it all together, I eventually realized that when I was willing to let go of my music career, when I was willing to put it down, that's when I realized I couldn't do it. I knew you were going to say that, man. I couldn't do it. And I said, okay, so what does that look like? And what beautifully emerged out of the shadows of all of this introspection was saying they don't have to be mutually exclusive. These two things can exist together. Coexist. And the beautiful thing is that they actually are already coexisting for everybody. People are just focusing again on the playing and they're not being taught how to connect with themselves on an internal level. And that's where it all starts. And that's what I teach and work on with people and help them bring together. The music and the internal self-realizations and give them easy actionable steps and exercises to help bring those two things together in the most beautiful amazing way possible
1: uh, wow like that's it that, that's beautiful that's why you're here today i had no idea until uh you called me out of the blue and then we lost touch and then you called me again and then i did some research right after we hung up the phone i was sitting right here in the studio and i think it's fantastic what you're doing i think it it needs to be dealt with i think i deal with it all the time on my personal level internally i have this internal internal dialogue and i also write things out and yeah. study and and it's amazing at how consuming this topic can be yeah
2: it's it's right? it's been very consuming
1: and it'll consume your sanity if you let it yeah but the point is don't let it yeah. right and i just said something prior to that We lost touch, but you stayed persistent. I wanted to touch on that as well. You were perseverant. You were diligent. A lot of times people say, well, I called, them; They never got back to me. Forget it, man. I emailed them. They never hit me. Man, I DM'd them on Instagram. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, you know what? Just keep doing it. If you feel passionate about connecting with somebody or someone or some Function, then you have to stay on top of it, right? This is fantastic, Steve. I mean, Source Science Sound, I love it. Now, what is the manifestation of this? Is it an institution, a class? Are there private lessons or courses that you offer? How do you?
2: <coughs> right do you now, actually, I'm growing my clientele, and the best way to connect with me through Source Science Sound right now is a private session. Okay. And you can book those through my website, okay. stevesinatra.me. And what I'm working on currently is a webinar offering for people, and I'm figuring out how to pull that together. I'm also working on a podcast so I could get more content and information out to people. And right now, what it looks like is I have a really big desire and dream to work with musicians, bands, and artists on a big level and supporting them when they're out on tour and out on the road and having some kind of compound (laughs) to where... Uh, you know, I've referenced this in my mind. It's the first time I'm actually saying this out loud, but kind of like uh, Paisley Park for Prince, a facility where there's top level recording studio on site, full scale performance rehearsal facility, mm-hmm. all on site, and having it be in some kind of beautiful place yeah. where there's also lodging facilities, a place where people can come and be the best versions of themselves on a personal and musical level, a place that is. Facilitative for creativity on all levels and housing workshops and master classes Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a camp out there that I kind of use as that I check out every once in a while to help motivate me and it's called Music Masters Camps who they kind of do something like that and it's in upstate New York and it's they have these beautiful grounds and they offer really clean organic eating the whole time mm. and it's all part of the you so know neat. being there so i want to create something on a big scale down the road that's what i'm working towards but what that looks like right now is just the baby steps of yeah. working with anybody who feels compelled to want to dive a little deeper into understanding how we're in this perpetual state of growth and we're always either in it or we're not in it and, and finding ways every day that they could stay in that flow and I can help them get there. Well said. Flow state. Yeah. There might be something that's showing up for you as an obstacle in your career vocationally, but what people have a tendency to do is say to themselves internally and externally in in their actionable steps, they say, I need to work harder in my vocation. I need to put more effort and energy into my vocation. And so true. sadly and ironically, what the universe is actually trying to show us is that They're trying to get our attention in the area that we put our biggest focus on. And for musicians, a lot of times, it is music. For a lot of years, I put music above everything else in my life. And what the universe is trying to do is actually put an obstacle in the place that your awareness is the strongest in order to show you that there's another area of your life that actually needs a little bit of love and attention. And... These are the dots that I'm connecting for people Mm. through Source, Science, Sound. So, you know, just as a hypothetical, for you maybe it could be that your family life needs more attention, but people don't connect the dots and say that Mm. if I actually go put a little bit more attention into my family area and make a couple of tweaks there, that that's going to actually help my career. They think right. I'm taking my attention from the way, away from the thing that I want the most. They think of it as a diversion. Exactly. Rather no, no, But it's no. actually helping yeah. them. Yeah. And I've looked at these patterns enough to wow. be able to help people connect dots in their specific circumstances and offer them actionable steps so that I can say here's what I'm seeing as as the blocks, and here are the actionable steps. And if you do A, B, and C, these are the results that you're going to see, and that's going to unblock the thing that you actually want. I love it. Yeah. So
1: this is some of the stuff that you would offer at Source, Science Sound. Yes. Right. And I love the fact that you can delineate it into actionable steps. Yes. That's impressive. Yeah. And how much of this work is research-based? It's all research It's analytics and metrics, just watching it and taking down the science of it.
2: Yeah, I haven't put it to paper, but everything that I'm teaching is all through self-experience and self-experimentation. And I don't share things that I don't feel completely rooted to Mm. and haven't been able to repeat or replicate in my own life.
1: So with your... I love this, by the way, with your carrot method. Yes. What you just said, it's forcing you to move the carrot to a different lane, so to speak. Let's say, for example, you think you need to be a film composer, and that's all, that's your carrot. But they say, no, 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 the universe is saying, no, you're an amazing teacher. Yes. So now I want you to go here, (laughs) so you're realigning your carrot, so to speak, right?
2: Yeah, and it brings up a really great point, actually, is... Think of the universe as this giant collective consciousness and each individual piece, each human being is like a laser beam. And our thoughts focus the laser and fire the laser. And we can't not have any intention because then you're just kind of firing your laser anywhere and the universe doesn't know what to bring to you. But you can't focus the laser beam too much because then you've become blind to any other greater possibility that might be coming in for you so it's the balance Mm. of having an intention Mm -hmm. but being open to that there might be a better path outside of the scope that you might be consciously holding
1: (laughs) i love it Brilliant. I'm afraid to turn off the recorder. <laughs> because every time I turn it off, you say something else that I want to capture. <laughs> I, I appreciate you saying right. that. That's killer stuff, man. Wow. You've been a great guest. Thanks, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Steve Sinatra. Thanks, man. Man. Wow. And there's really no relation to the name. No.
0: <laughs> the Career Musician Podcast is a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the first all-music-based podcast collective For more info, visit pantheonpodcasts.com.
2: Sign up for the Career Musician newsletter at thecareermusician.com.
0: Your value is not determined by the gig. Learn more by listening to the Career Musician Podcast, streaming everywhere.
2: Subscribe to the brand new Career Musician YouTube channel. Now streaming all of the Career Musician Podcast episodes.
1: I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one-man band A no man